0: They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they they attack us because we're over there. We don't need to go populist left or populist right. We don't need to embrace neo-Marxism or neo-fascism, these disastrous movements from the 20th century. Turns out the answer is pretty much our Bill of Rights. Our story. Embrace freedom. That's the answer. And if the LP has a
1: purpose, it's not to put people to sleep. It's to wake them up.
0: We're here because we love liberty. And we're here because we hate injustice. We are here to save mankind. We are here to fight.
1: Join us, the Libertarian Party, in perhaps the most exciting, grandest endeavor in history, the
0: restoration of America. Liberty.
1: Ideas spread. They can't stop them. An idea whose time has come cannot be stopped by any army or any government.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Decentralized Revolution, a podcast from the Libertarian Party, Mises Caucus and Mises Pack. I'm Aaron Harris and I'm your host. A uh, very special guest uh, today here on episode 85 um, I, I mentioned it, I think, a little bit during this episode, but anytime I talk to people about uh, working with the Mises Caucus um, and we talk about it um, amongst ourselves on the board about how the um, the just the regular Mises Caucus members are, are really what makes this organization go. Because, you know, uh, you know, Michael Heiss started this thing with a Facebook post uh, about five years ago. And, uh, no one works harder than Mike and Jeff and Luke and David and, uh, all those guys. Um, and, but if it was just four or five guys doing this, we wouldn't have accomplished what we'd accomplished. And if it was just people sitting around waiting on orders and ideas from, you know, whoever is so, you know, higher up the food chain or whatever, we wouldn't have got anywhere. So like the whole decentralized revolution stuff, that's why we name the podcast um, after that idea, is, is something that we actually practice. Uh, we get ideas uh, from people who, rather than um, uh, coming and saying, hey, will you hire me to do some work for the Mises Caucus, people do some work and then bring it and say, hey, do you guys want to use this? And uh, there's many examples of that on a small and a large scale. And, uh, my guest today, Dan Smots is, uh, one of the more visible, uh, examples of that simply because he's in a, a visual medium and, uh, because he makes such great work that people want to watch it. Um, he hosts a podcast called the system is down, uh, which you're going to want to check out. And you're also going to want to go over to decentralized 85 to check out some of the links to some of the videos uh, that Dan has done for the Mises caucus. Um, the first one that really got my attention was, um, Mises caucus takes pork fest 2021, which really highlights, um, you know, not only there's so many great things about that video one, it's just the initiative of somebody bringing creative energy to the table, but also what Dan is highlighting is the culture that we're trying to promote, uh, with the Mises caucus of, You know, decentralized, do your own thing, according to the general, you know, um, uh, playbook, uh, but write your own plays, run your own plays, uh, and do what you do good. That's what Dr. Paul says all the time. It's like, hey, don't everybody figure out how you can run for Congress. If you're, if you're a musician, pick up your guitar and write a song. If you're a videographer like Dan, make some videos. If you're, um, you know, a good, uh, uh at talking to people, go door to door, whatever. Um, so Dan highlights just kind of the, uh, the positive culture of different people getting together around something we love that is also, you know, happens to be just a very noble cause. So check out that video at decentralized slash 85. And a, a couple of other ones are ones called the takeover which, uh, was a pre Reno, uh, hype reel, I would, uh, uh, call it, uh, which was really great and motivating for all of us heading into the convention. And then of course at the convention, um, uh, probably my favorite, uh, for many reasons. And we talk about it a little bit in this episode is a video called the revolution continues. And to be able to see that premiered, um, you know, in, in the same room with, uh, Tom Woods and Zuby and Maj. And uh, Scott Horton and, uh, uh, of course, uh, Dave Smith and Dr. Paul himself uh, was uh, just a, a great moment uh, for those of us um, who have been working on this um, uh, for a long time. About, I don't know how many were in the room, at least six or seven hundred, I think maybe a little more. So if you were there, it's a great moment. Uh, go relive that moment at DecentralizedRevolution.com 85 um, and uh, enjoy getting to know a little more uh, about Dan Smots. I'm glad to have you on the show. It has uh, been a while that uh, I have been seeing your work, uh, you know, being on the board of the Mises Caucus. Uh, we have so many talented people who are just taking it upon themselves to produce all kinds of great content and to organize and, and do stuff. And it's like, Hey, do you see this new person who's doing this stuff? And, so uh, I think more than a year ago, uh, you kind of came onto the uh, this uh, came onto my radar through through the videos uh, that you make. So talk about uh, kind of how you made it uh, into the Mises Caucus uh, orbit. Where'd you start from in your liberty journey, and and how'd you end up where you are now?
1: Sure. Yeah, I, I got into libertarianism just be- like. I started paying attention. I always say uh Donald Trump made me a libertarian because uh I actually wasn't really paying attention to politics at all until Donald Trump was in the running. And then I realized, oh, I'm not I'm not what I was raised to be, this this red-blooded Republican. Um, not that Donald Trump's the most Republican Republican, but uh that's another story. But um I started paying attention because of him and then I was like, Yeah, I I enjoy the entertainment value of it, but um (laughs) I'm not I'm not going that way. I don't agree with him on a lot of things. Um, so I started watching all the uh, the Republican debates, and then I started watching all the Democrat debates. I'm like, well, I'm definitely not that either. And then I started digging into, you know, a couple of the other options, and I watched some Green Party a little bit, not much. It didn't take long to figure that one out. But um, then I watched some Libertarian debates, and um, I like I always say I I got into Libertarianism. Like people make fun of the the like Daryl Perry moment of like toast. What's next? License to make toast in your own damn toaster and stuff like that, um, and uh, them like booing about the the uh, drivers' licenses. Yeah, um, like crazy moments in libertarian history that the outside people will scoff at. But I'm just like, these people are crazy, and I think they're they're kind of onto something here. <laughs> like yeah. I, I was there for the ridiculousness of it, but. Yeah, I got into uh, some of that and started covering it, um, listening to people like um, Mark Claire and Lions Liberty guys uh, that I'm friends with now, um, Jason Stapleton, stuff like that. Um, and I, yeah, started working on the Vermin Supreme campaign very randomly um, just because I showed up at a, the Illinois convention and met Vermin there. And, and I really liked the answers that he had, that he was given to the debate stuff. I was familiar with his shtick, but uh, he was given some really solid answers, I felt like, in the debates. Um, and you know, it was fun. <laughs> well, it lasted. Um, I, I don't agree with him on a lot these days, it seems like, but that's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, long drama short, um, we can get into it however much you want, but, um, it, it that ended, um, I, I started looking into some of the people that some of those people were attacking and I was like, you know, um, What's the, the like? What's wrong with Ron Paul? What's wrong with Dave Smith? What's wrong with Eric July? What's wrong with these people? And, um, started. I found the Mises Caucus and I was like, okay, so it turns out that they're just all correct. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. the common linking between these people and why they're being attacked, it seems to me. But, um, yeah, like. Just you guys' principles and the stuff that you guys stand for, that's what I assumed I was getting into when I got involved with the Libertarian Party, when I got involved with the Vermin Supreme Team. Like it just is libertarianism to me. And so finding that group of people that, you know, just have those core libertarian beliefs, like more power to other people that are trying different strategies or whatever. But this is what I think is the most honest, um, uh, you know, set of libertarian principles that are being played out.
0: I want to get into that in just a second, but I wanted to, uh, as the uh, former White House press secretary says, circle back on the Trump thing, because Trump mm. is obviously pretty, he gets brought up a lot in libertarian drama of people say, oh, you guys just like Trump and all that stuff. Yeah. And and from my perspective, so I grew up as a, uh, I was a Reagan kid in the 80s, college Republican uh, uh, type in the early to mid 90s. And so as an ex Republican, like I have a special like burning hatred uh, in my heart for the Republican Party, not for Republican people, but for, you know, the leadership. When I was part of the LP in Ohio, you know, I sued. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name was on the lawsuit against John Kasich uh, with a couple other people uh, over the ballot access shenanigans. And so, like, I, I hope Republicans lose. I will never vote for another Republican. I, I can't stand the party. Yeah. Um, You know, there's two or three people, you know, one of whom's, you know, Dr. Paul Massey, a couple, my, my mayor here in Knoxville, Glenn Jacobs, I still don't vote for him. Uh, I like yeah. him. But so coming. So when Trump came on the scene, I was just so like entertained by the whole thing because of him basically trolling the whole Republican yes. Party.
1: And it was about the what, chaos. It was about the the fuck it all mentality.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He, he knew what their base wanted and he was willing to tell them what they wanted to hear. And he totally like, he saw that opening and he saw the disconnect between the leadership of that party and what the normal people in that party who are good hearted for the most part want. And he totally exploited that. Um, but I, I'm, I've always been like from day one, I've been, I I've been really trying to understand why, and I'm not saying this is, uh, why, uh, I, I want to hear why you were turned off by Trump, but mm. like, I've really been trying to understand some of the, the hatred for Trump on the things like, it seems like the people who hate Trump the most hate him for all the wrong reasons. They don't hate him because he's a, you know, right. a, a, a cheap money uh, crony capitalist um, right. who, who is is okay with most of the wars and, uh, who bans you know,
1: bump stocks who you know uh it, it, pushes covid vaccines who pushes exactly. lockdowns who backs up Fauci and all that shit yeah
0: yeah and so i've never gotten the whole like he's a, like a racist and a fascist thing so like right. what was it uh what did you pick up on about trump that made you start wanting to get interested in and involved in, in politics what tipped your radar off
1: Uh, just the bombasticness of it got me interested. Like I, to be clear, I did not vote for Trump, but I also was like laughing hysterically the night of the election. I was like, this is incredible. This is like history making. This is uh, a beautiful thing for better and for worse. Like, uh, he's certainly better than Hillary Clinton. Um, but, um, yeah, it was just the, like, I'm, I always say I'm chaotic, neutral. Like I, there's a part of me that's like, Yes, Elon, buy Twitter, and if it burns down, fine. Like, okay, I'm just here for, let's shake some things up. And uh, even with, like, the Mises caucus takeover stuff, with all due respect, I knew that you guys would win deep down, but there was a part of me that was like, you know, even if they don't win, like, even if even if the whoever's are correct and they get in there and they just, like, screw everything up, it's like, ah, at least we tried something different. Like, at least we shook some shit up. At least we, uh, you know, made some waves. Like, I'm not responsible for, I can't, you know, make sure that they do the right thing once they're in those positions. But so far it seems like they're doing pretty well, but, um, even still, like I would have been disappointed if they s- screwed it up or if they do screw it up, but, um, I would still be like, it's better. It's better than the alternative of staying where we were and continuing down this, uh, uh, you know, woke, uh, self eating prophecy that, uh, that the lefty libertarians seem to, you know, be pushing for. Um, so uh, I don't remember what your question was. Something about well, Trump. <laughs>
0: just, just kind of how, what was it about Trump that made you kind of, uh, you know, uh, want to get involved and start looking at things? So it doesn't sound like you were a, yeah. a Trump derangement syndrome guy. It sounds like you
1: no, not at all. were the
0: opposite. You kind of knew that this was basically the trolling aspect of this thing and just the entertainment value. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: I did not, I, I thought there was no chance in hell that he was going to win. Like I didn't, I, I would say that, like I voted for whoever the, I don't know. Who were the Republican people running against? Uh, well, Obama? Rand,
0: Rand Paul, Ruby. I mean, the in the Kasich.
1: elections before. I don't even remember who I voted oh. for. Like I was so Republican like just ingrained. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I voted for Romney. Like I don't even remember because it had so little right. impact on me. It was just like you're a Republican. Go in and check the, the R box, which is what a lot of people are yeah. these days. But yeah. it wasn't real like it was Trump that made me start paying attention because I'm like, oh, let's see what this shit show is. But um, yeah. he wasn't really the thing that made me go, oh, I'm not a liberal or I'm not a Republican. Um, I don't know exactly what that was, because I, like I was watching all the debates and just kind of really ingrained in it. And I'm like, uh, you know, all these people um, like Rand Paul, I was stumping for him for a while because I was vaguely familiar with Ron from back in the day. And then I found out like I did back in the day, I had like a Ron Paul sticker on my laptop and from like 2012. And I didn't even know, re- didn't remember it later on. Like I knew nothing about libertarianism. Um, okay. he was just the Republican guy at the time that I, cause I was like anti-war and he was anti-war and that was really hard to find in those days. Um, and then, yeah, like jumping forward into like where I found libertarianism and then realizing, oh, that guy was actually, you know, a big part of what this movement is as libertarianism mm-hmm. and um, so like Rand, I, I was pushing for him, but it was also, you know, at least a little bit disappointed that he wasn't really, you know, uh, upholding the torch all that high, but, um, yeah. uh, he was the the best, but I knew that he didn't stand a chance. And, you know, I, I watched, I watched the debates like they were sports. Like I was live tweeting them and, uh, I was fascinated by them. Um, I don't like the thing that probably pushed me into libertarianism was kind of just realizing that this is all fake. Like, yeah. um, like watching those debates and seeing, The way, uh, you know, people just are spinning things and like arguing with each other, Um, even just like we don't know as libertarians what is going to have an impact that's going to sway somebody into digging deeper. Like it's getting them past that cusp of digging deeper. That is the real problem that we have. But for Mm -hmm. me, it was like going from watching all the Republican debates where they're slandering each other, just slinging mud. They're like, you know, uh, insulting each other. And then the Democrat debates being the exact same thing. Um, the libertarian debates, I know that they're not always this way, but at the time they would be like, they would ask questions like, you know, who would you vote for if you weren't running and what, like name, like a, a best quality about one of your running mates or something like, it was a little bit more of a, uh, a civil, at least on the surface, it, it seemed a little bit more civil to me. And like these people were being rational. And because of that tipping, I started digging into like what exactly they were talking about and realized, oh, this is just correct. And it has been the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's a lot below the surface because like I was pushing simultaneously for like John McAfee, uh, Gary Johnson and Austin Peterson. I'm just like, hey, let's let's do this. Like, I don't care who it is. These are libertarians. And I'm I'm digging you know, like I'm picking up what they're putting down and then hearing about some of the drama between like Gary Johnson and Austin Peterson behind the scenes was like disappointing later on. But I was already too deep into it by that point to turn back, I suppose.
0: <laughs> I never heard. Uh, I never heard specifically what was the beef betwi- between those two.
1: Oh, there was, I, I was following it pretty closely at the time, but, um, I know that like the main thing that, sta- that I remember is, um, after like one, of, after Gary Johnson got the nomination, allegedly Austin Peterson gave him his like flintlock pistol, like replica or something. And Gary Johnson threw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I could see. Yeah.
1: yeah. Childish yeah. things.
0: Yeah. Um, so, and I know
1: I know that there was a lot of corruption on the Gary Johnson campaign, at least from what I've heard. But I don't know all the specifics for well, it either.
0: His yeah, the campaign manager was a guy named Ron Nielsen, and they uh, it, it seemed more like a jobs program for certain people. Uh, you know, they raised a lot of money and and hired a lot of people and didn't get a lot of ROI. Um, and I think that turned off a lot of people who who put in Sounds- a lot of hard work. And,
1: it didn't Sounds get very familiar. Jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sounds like the, um, and, the whole Libertarian Party up until about six months ago. So
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um it, it's funny that the people who accuse uh you know, people like Josh Smith and Mike Heiss and all that of like being grifters and stuff, it's like
1: right.
0: they're the people who are like working at jobs and making money for stuff right. that they don't seem to really believe. And uh yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. But one thing about most libertarians that, that you actually touched on that I really like, even libertarians that like I don't necessarily like personally or who may be kind of the the wokey, lefty type libertarians, which I like a lot of lefty libertarians, but even, even all, almost all libertarians, even ones that I don't really like, we have, all have a good quality of like we actually care about what's right. And we debate that, and are willing to like debate things on the merits of them, and not like do ad hominem stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, some of that like, does come in there, but like, well, we, all really, definitely we, all <laughs> consi- we all really, we all want to be consistent. We all want to be consistent. And so, like, I'm not surprised that you picked up on that when you went to uh, a libertarian convention of people actually who care about the issues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like to be having these very minute arguments on a, like, big political stage, like, big relatively, um, c- you know, compared to most things in life, but, uh, like, the presidential stage for uh, the Libertarian Party to be having these conversations about things like seatbelt laws and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of, like, I'm pretty autistic myself, and I, I <laughs> like, ponder these things. I didn't know there were other people, like, other freaks out there that were, like, thinking that uh, into the the weeds of this type of stuff, so it it's not for I don't want to say it's not for everybody, but like that type of stuff won't speak to everybody, which is why I think there's extreme value in, you know, like the videos and stuff that I do now um, speaking to a different audience. But for me, it was like that very oddly autistic um, conversations of like yelling about toaster ovens where I'm just like, cool, let's, let's go crazy. Let's get weird.
0: Yeah. I, I've been known to like try to convince normies that there shouldn't be drunk driving laws. Right. It's like, it doesn't matter what yeah. the composition of your blood is. If, if you're not driving erratically and not plowing over mailboxes, then what does it matter? You know? Right. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah. So I, I love that about us libertarians, but, uh, you know, I think you're right about, you know, we do kind of have to do different things to uh, appeal to non-libertarians, but like, I don't think the answer is to try to be as as much like the blue and the red as, you know, sound and act like them and just be like, oh, well, we need to be we need to do 80 percent of what, you know, we we need to reduce the federal federal budget by 20 percent to bring 20 percent of the troops home. Like nobody's going to go for that. It's it's the radicalism. It sounds like that maybe some of the 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 BS that you saw with Trump, but the bombasticness of it was that kind of like that sort of ridiculous element along with like some principles, is that what drew you to the, to the vermin thing?
1: I I guess, I mean, I've always been like, I I was never like hugely vocally into politics or anything. I was just always kind of a, I don't know, a little bit weird, a little bit eccentric. And uh, I was just like, I'm here for the shit show. I'm here for the fun. (laughs) Um, Like uh, Liberty, Liberty should be fun. I believe that firmly. Like I, and that actually goes back to, to, you know, why I started digging into the Mises caucus stuff or why I paired up with you guys, uh, as well, because, uh, coming out of the, that camp and, uh, I worked on the Joe Jorgensen, Spike Cohen team and all that, um, digging into the Mises caucus stuff. I was like, Oh, these guys are, they're not just right, but they're having fun. And they're talking like I heard through the grapevine rumors of some Dave Smith guy who I had recently started digging into trying to figure out what the, the big deal was about him. Um, and I was like, that, that's uh, like, I hit up, I think, Auto, and I was like, hey, if Dave Smith is t- even hinting at running for president, I like, this was like, I don't know, two years ago at this point. I was like, if there's any hint about any of that, uh, I don't know who you need to talk to. I don't know that much about you guys, but uh, let them know. I am interested. And um, yeah, it's been fun ever since, like working on Ron Paul stuff, working with, uh, you know, the words of Dave Smith and things like that, things that are, you know, they can have their comedic elements, they can have their dramatic elements and they have a uh, very firm libertarian principles. And it, uh, it's like, there's been a, I had a lot of fun still having a lot of fun working with Spike Cohen as well. And then in a completely different vein, I'm also working on Jeremy Kaufman's videos, which are like,
0: Oh, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know you were doing, okay, cool. That that explains a lot why they're good. Yeah. So good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not, not to cancel myself outright, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm doing those and like, I don't know, like I could talk all day about, Uh, about how bad of rap that man gets for uh just the like i've had mises caucus people be like jeremy kaufman (laughs) is a uh he's a a fed or a plant or something like that like very firmly convinced and i'm like dude i've slept on his couch i've had him on my show like a half dozen times i've played with his kids i've met his family like calm down he's just like he's like this scary evil guy online and then you meet him in real life and it's like oh he's just a dad in like shorts and flip flops like Come on, guys. Yeah, but, I had yeah.
0: him on, and he was – yeah, he, I, I got that same exact impression of him talking to him directly. Yeah,
1: he, He's like a, a very autistic robot in in good ways and bad ways. It's like he has a very cal- cold, calculated heart that doesn't care what people think about him online. But then, like in real life, he's just a – he's a softie, but – That's been that's been great. And like, I'm always here for the entertainment value. And I think that that's what speaks to people the most. And I think that uh, what all of these people that I've worked with, even Joe Jorgensen, to some extent, they gave me the creative freedom to uh, to put some things in there that I felt like, you know, was a little bit more edgy or a little bit more in your face than, you know, we've seen from political campaigns in the past. But, um, yeah, I'm here for the fun. And I think that that's uh, the way forward is to like, if we're not having a good time, then nobody why would anybody care to, you know dig into our crazy movement
0: so were you into filmmaking or 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 whatever you call your particular set of skills um what were you into that before you came on with vermin and spike
1: yeah yeah i was doing this uh professionally but it was completely different vein like i started started out like just taught myself out of high school um video out of necessity for like i was in bands and had a lot of band friends and would shoot music videos and things like that and taught myself how to edit and things and um much 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 later i eventually got into like a wedding video and stuff like that and was able to quit my job and do wedding video full-time so i'm still doing wedding videos now it's kind of split 50 50 between wedding videos and this liberty shit that is completely like kind of polar opposites to each other but they both have like similar elements in moving people and making people feel certain ways and um I'm kind of edging out some of the wedding stuff. Don't tell the brides, but, uh, I like if I could do the Liberty stuff all the time, I'm, I'm certainly down for that. Cause I think it's uh it's very valuable.
0: I don't see how you can do. I, I don't see how people who do wedding photography and video, like, I, I hate weddings so much. Like I, my wedding was great. And like, after my wedding, I'm like, Hey, I never need to go on another date again and i <laughs> it, uh, except for close family members i never have to go to another wedding and i was yeah so how did what's that like that's got to be kind of is it is there fun stuff about it or is it just like deja vu yeah. every weekend
1: yeah it's fun at times like since they're usually in like hot outdoor temperatures and <laughs> things like that that's not great for my ginger skin but yeah, me, god hates yeah. gingers but yeah um yeah, it, it like it was very stressful for the first several years, probably. But once you get to the point where like I have enough gear now to be confident in stuff, like it's kind it kind of becomes routine, and it's not that big a deal. But um, yeah, like wedding videos are uh, like pretty much all videos of this type. I feel like are just kind of like manipulating people in some way or another like i'm manipul. like yes your wedding sucked and when you watch your wedding video you're gonna see that it was like the most amazing beautiful day yeah. where you guys were only ever smiling like i'm, I'm not uh making it 100 realistic here like we might stage some some shots even um like it, it's too you know uh, i guess bless your marriage in the future and stuff like that because uh you know you'll be able to look back and see the words that you said to each other and you know the ways you interacted with each other i think that is value and uh with you know the the liberty stuff it's very much it it, like manipulation gets a bad rap but i like i'm all about um propaganda like i i just call myself a liberty propagandist um i don't care like uh, these people are brainwashed into believing that the state is there to help them, and that that is the only way. And the the only way that things can possibly get better is more state. Like it's self-defeating on its face, and uh, like they've been brainwashed to that point. Um, manipulation is only harm is only bad if it's used in. My phone is going off somewhere. If it's used in harmful ways, like yeah. that. Um, so, like I, I think we need more culture. We need more uh, just convincing people that this is fun because if you go on liberty twitter it doesn't always look that fun like if somebody's just (laughs) dipping their toe in the water or if you listen to like certain podcasts and things um liberty get liberty looks like it sucks a lot of the times and um rather than digging deep into like you know something that somebody said on twitter 25 years ago i know that's an exaggeration because twitter is not that old right but rather than like you know spending your time on that how about you just go make something and then like be a libertarian while you're doing it. And then people will, it's almost like, you know, faith and religion and stuff like Christians talk about the same ideas of like just living out your, your design, what you were created to be, that is going to, you know, that's going to speak to people and they're going to wonder what's different about you, I suppose. And, um, you know, I think you win over more people by building culture and, uh, you know, propagandizing to the extent that you're showing them like this, this stuff is fun and that stuff over there is evil and uh, you decide.
0: Well, and I, the propaganda is kind of like indoctrination. You know, you hear indoctrination come up a lot. We're talking about public schools versus uh, homeschooling or unschooling or private schooling. It's like, well, indoctrination is going to happen. It's just a matter of who's doing it and what they're indoctrinating and propaganda is the same way. Like everything you know, is propaganda, you know, everything from advertising to politics, Yeah, it's going to be there. So are, are you, do you want a, a society, do you want to be part of a culture that does that based on the truth and positive culture, right. or do you want to do it based on, Hey, I'm trying to get, uh, Joe Biden elected. Right. Right. Or I'm trying uh, to
1: bomb another cluster of Brown people. Like, uh, like we're propagandized, like the most hardcore for, for war in favor of war. But then when it comes to us being anti-war, a lot of the time we're just like, war is bad. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we need to like the things that they're using, the brainwashing techniques, we need to pay attention. I'm not saying go out and brainwash people necessarily, but like things that they like techniques that they use, like they have that, uh, that ad that was like a for the PsyOps division of the, the military. And it's like this beautiful like art, like five-minute art piece. And I'm like, wow, that was was a very uh like inspiring video. And it it's complete and utter bullshit, but it makes you feel a certain way. We need to be doing that on the other side. Not not that it's complete and utter bullshit, but you know, sure. making people feel things. And as as a giant group of autistic people, um, we have a hard time understanding emotion and uh much less conveying emotion. Um, and I feel like you know, video is the best way to do that because it captures, you know, not just information, but the music, the 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 lighting, the the flashing lights, even the subtle messaging, the Easter eggs, things like that uh, are things that uh, really uh, you know, speak to people, draw people in in ways that are in like their subconscious brain that they don't even know are happening. Like yeah. um like Spike Cohen always said when I was like working with I'm still working with him. I don't know why I keep saying that when I was like on the campaign on tour with him and stuff. Um, yeah. like we did like a daily vlog thing and I would show it to him like that night or the next morning. And, uh, he would, he would always be like, how do you make me cry watching the words that literally just came out of my mouth 25 minutes ago? Yeah. <laughs> like it, It's all the music. It's all like just the yeah. subtleties that, uh, that, you know, a lot of people overlook, especially in doing like political ads. It's just been historically a guy, ta- a politician talking about political things. And that speaks yeah. to. Maybe us, maybe political people, but it does not speak to your normal, normal like, whatever your normal person. Yeah.
0: Well, I, uh, I said earlier, I'm a Reagan kid. Like, of course, one of the famous political ads was like, the, "There's, there's a bear in the woods." Ad. Did you do you know about that one? I don't think. So. You, okay, so it's back during uh, Reagan's um, re-election in 1984. And there had been like a recession in his first term. Uh, And I remember that well, because my dad was laid off from General Motors. And so it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion that Reagan was going to win. And of course, the Cold War was still going on. And so they made this ad. And it's like, it looks like this Mutual of Omaha, you know, um, uh, nature video. And there's like this bear walking through the woods. And this guy is uh, intoning over, he's like, uh, there's a bear in the woods and wouldn't it be you know, shouldn't we be ready in case the bear comes? You know, it's it's very artfully done, but it right. doesn't have anybody with a suit. It doesn't have anything, but it's very manipulative, playing on the the whole Cold War thing, and it yeah. it, it was one of the things that turned things around. And you know, it is like what you're saying, how powerful video can be because it has images, um, music, and words. So like right. three things that you know different people learn and take in information in different ways so you're hitting people from you know at least three different uh, uh sensory uh, inputs and
1: yeah.
0: um it can be very effective so like how you, are you you said you're kind of totally self-taught are you who did you um were there any sort of genres or directors or anything like that were you kind of watching the, that stuff something kind of the penny dropped for you and you kind of live by the lessons learned there what's your inspiration not
1: not really i kind of just make it up as i go but um yeah. uh to, to be clear one i like for anybody who's not libertarian that happens to be watching this uh libertarian is or, or autistic is a term of endearment i yeah it's seeming as though i'm i'm uh, i have that as well and i'm perfectly fine with that um but i i think it's uh like i've always had a very i don't know very i guess laser focused eye for art and things like that like pitch in music. And, um, like if I was like covering a song or something, like if I felt like if it wasn't exactly the way they sang it, it, it was incorrect and stuff like, like just really closely, unintentionally, not knowing that it was not normal, paying very close attention to like camera angles and things like that, movies, things that moved me. Um, but it's really just, uh, a lot of it's just what feels right. And, uh, like, I'll keep reworking a video until it feels uh, right until it moves me uh, to some extent. But um, I, I'll say as far as like the libertarian video stuff that I'm doing, um, I have to give major shout outs to uh, Jed Weiss uh, for his video work that he did on the McAfee campaign. And I've told him this a million times. Um, did You saw those videos, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did like three or four or five videos. And this was like when I was just kind of dipping my toe in the water of libertarian stuff. Um, and somebody put out uh, – or he put out something like, does anybody do video editing? I need a couple very out-of-the-ordinary political ads. He put that out on Facebook, and somebody tagged me in it, and I was I hit him up. He didn't end up working with me. Um, I'm glad he didn't, because at the time, I wouldn't have done something to the magnitude of what he did. Because he just made these like beautiful art pieces, and uh, some of them were narrated by McAfee. Some of them had very little to do with McAfee, and some of them you know, we're a little bit more McAfee central, but um just stuff that uh still moves me and speaks to me to this day. That's just like, it doesn't even necessarily all like make surface level sense that we're typical, like we're, we're accustomed to seeing in politics. It's just like very cut and dry. Here's the facts and here's what's wrong. And here's how we fix it. It was just speaking to the emotion and the humanity of the people in this movement. And um, that um uh, that really inspired me seeing like that you can do stuff like that, you can do completely out of the box ideas, like especially in the libertarian movement. And even now, like doing it uh, semi full time as far as the liberty stuff. Now I like it's hard for me to even explain to normal people what I do for a living because <laughs> they're like, "What do you do? You do just weddings?" I'm yeah. like, "No, I do like political ads." And they're like, "Oh, that sounds awful, awful." And I'm like, "No." But let's not get into it. (laughs) Like like, I I do bombastic, crazy uh, political ads that uh, I I try to, you know, uh, make people feel away with. But yeah, um, Yeah. Judd Weiss really inspired me uh, in that. And uh, he wasn't a video guy at all. Like uh, he was asking because it was his first video. He had never done it. And uh, he just said, I see a need. I'm going to do it. He figured out how to do it. And, uh, uh, you know, if nothing else, it inspired me to when I start working on the Vermin team to be to feel like. Hey, this is kind of like a no, whole, no bars held like arena here where I can just have some fun, like have some fun and do it for liberty. And um, yeah. it seems to be working out so far.
0: <laughs> so. so Spike has or had a background in video too, right? Didn't he have like a video production company or something?
1: He had a web design company. Oh, I don't web know if they design. did video at all. Yeah.
0: Okay. I wasn't sure. I know his company like had that. media in it or something, but.
1: So yeah. what?
0: Uh, so was most of your stuff for that that campaign? Was it working with Spike? I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, you mean with the Jorgensen campaign?
0: Oh, with uh, um, well, that and with Vermin, right? Because oh.
1: Spike was uh, actually. Yeah, I, I always liked Spike um, from the beginning. Uh, I didn't know him that well until the very like right up toward the end of where uh, like Vermin and Spike were running together. I got in because of vermin and, uh, was working pretty directly with vermin and Desiree and those people. Um, which they, I loved the way they operated. It was very decentralized decentralized. It was like, Mm -hmm. I would send them a video and be like, here, I made something cool. And they'd be like, put it out. Like there was no, you know, uh, all the stuff that has bogged down the LP for so many years. They were, they were on it. Like they were just like, if it's good, put it out. We'll pick up the pieces later if we have to, but this is how, you know, society works now, or at least the internet works. Um, I got involved with uh, Spike toward the end of it because it was looking like he was going to get it and Furman wasn't, um, which is what happened. Uh, I I did like a video or two with Spike that were exclusively Spike during that campaign, and then moving into the Jorgensen campaign. um, Yeah, Spike brought me in to work with them, and it had its ups and downs as well. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been Spike's carried me along ever since through the Jorgensen stuff, which got me a lot of exposure, and uh, eventually whether he likes it or yeah. not led to you guys <laughs> yeah yeah. so um I'm just kidding he loves the me no I
0: know yeah he I've, I've I don't have a bad word to say about spike um, so I I trying struggling for a way to ask this question without like trying to be mean about it or whatever but you um,
1: mean it's fine
0: well <laughs> I, I guess so like both with like Gary Johnson and Joe Jorgensen uh, especially Gary Johnson in in um, uh, I guess, 2012. Yeah, Like I would see Gary um, on his campaign stops in Ohio and like talking to a high school or something like that. And he was excellent, right? So sometimes he seemed like very engaged and came, you know, I mean, he wasn't like Murray Rothbard, but he was like, in, or or Ron Paul, but he was good. Good like, enough. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was really good. And, and like the fact that he had a resume and he did kind of seem passionate about it. Like he never seemed like super into, you know, philosophy and stuff like that, which in some way it it can be, you know, that can maybe turn off some libertarians, but that can be a plus uh, for regular people. Sure. But then, you know, you know uh, with the Bill Weld thing in 2016 and then, uh, you know, like Joe Jorgens is another example. Like if you look at most, if not all of her sort of policy positions, they're great, but like there's something not quite um, I think it might be generational, it's kind of hard to market somebody like that to kind of younger people. And so how, how do you market, how do you um, let's put it this way. It must be easier to, is it easier to make content about around somebody who is personally inspiring or is it enough to just have the, to, to have the ideas and the goal in mind? Like what's, is it easier working with some candidates and personalities creatively uh, as far as inspiration goes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Um, Like n- nothing like, you know, too much against any, any of those other people, but like I've said multiple times, like um, I love Vermin Supreme as a human. Um, I disagree with him on some things, but uh, my my job there i knew my job there was to make this uh, boot wearing guy who's had 30 years of running for office um in, into like a legitimate option to make him into something cool that uh, that a new audience would get i knew that was my role and i feel like i did that pretty well and then uh, with joe jorgensen it like my role was take this grandma no offense joe on that at least um and make her look cool and that was I was a little bit tougher even than making Vermin Supreme look cool. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is incredibly refreshing. Um, More power to everybody else. Do your own thing. Whatever. It's fine. And I'll work with you. I I would work with any of them again if they, you know, if we had a talk, at least. I I don't hold any ill will. But um, like working with Dave Smith, working with Spike Cohen, working with especially, you know, I get to work with like Ron Paul's words now. And uh, yes, even even Jeremy Kaufman doing something crazy and different, but uh, being very principled. Um, Yeah, it's incredibly easier, Um, like even just for the sake of like finding B-roll and stuff, finding stuff on the Internet that these people have done. Like I have worked with some candidates uh, or they've like asked me to do video work for them. And it's like, well, do you have any video of yourself? Are you going to bring me out? How are we going to do this? Like most candidates don't just have shots of them doing things or having conversations or being in debates and stuff like that. So it makes it Mm -hmm. a lot harder. Um, having people like Dave Smith, Ron Paul, Spike Cohen who like have long track record, long history. I've been with them at festivals and stuff like that. Like the more content I have of you, the much easier it is. And if that content is you saying spicy and true and relevant things, of course it makes my job a thousand times easier than if I'm trying to make your stuff sound spicy and relevant and, uh, And true. So,
0: yeah, we had uh, Dennis Pratt on the show a couple of uh, episodes ago, and he he uh, brought up the uh, Mises Caucus uh, takes Pork Fest uh, uh, video, which uh, was really great. So, like to me, that's a great example of what you've been talking about. Is you know the culture where we have something we believe in, we have a positive culture, we're getting along. You know, we have fun. We don't have you know, I've always from day one coming on with the Mises Caucus, I've been just like flabbergasted at the lack of drama and like, um you know, people are honest and don't, you know, stab each other in the back and stuff. It's really right. great. Um And then all of those personalities at Porkfest, like to me, that's a, a, that had to have been a, and it really comes across in the video, just the, uh just the positive culture of a bunch of crazy people crazy in the sense of being willing to do something countercultural, yeah you know having that all together and and being able to celebrate that is that that's one of my favorite things that that you've done
1: absolutely and a lot of that stuff like a lot of the pork fest stuff that i've done a lot of the reno stuff a lot of these different convention things like i'm like the more decentralized the better everything typically turns out i've noticed like yeah uh, i'm to the point now where i'm just like hey guys there's this event going on that, that like let's say Reno uh, I think that it would be very valuable for the Mises Caucus to have footage of that um, and that, like this has to be documented uh, bring me out as like just pay for my travel I'll get there I'll f- figure out how to make money after because uh, being around all these people that I'm probably going to work with and so like this stuff needs to be documented we need to be putting this out and showing you know what's going on and making it look cool like with the, the Mises Caucus takes pork fest thing that wasn't planned I just like was at Porkfest freedom or the free state project brought me out to film for the festival. And then afterwards I was like, Hey guys, um, I think I can make like, I don't know, at least eight to 10 minute long video uh, or like three separate videos of everything that just happened with the music at Pork at Porkfest. Cause it was that cool. Like we need it, it. I don't know. Like it, it staggers. It, it's staggering to me that, uh, that when I got involved with, any of these camps, like the Mises Caucus or, uh, you know, Vermin Supreme or whatever, like most of these people, like, I just assume, like, these people are cool. So somebody has stepped up to do the video work. And Mm -hmm. uh, like, I've been preaching this for a while, like, if you are passionate about something, don't stop assuming that somebody else is doing it, because they're not, like, especially in the liberty movement, they're they're that thing that you could be like, uh, instead of like, running for local office. Even if you had a passion about something and you saw a need for that, that that's probably more valuable to the Liberty movement than you running for local office for like school board or something like that. Um, maybe, maybe not, but, um, like if you see a need, um, just always assume that somebody else isn't doing it. Cause it, like I was shocked, like the scocks doesn't have a a video guy. Like they seem like they got their shit together or like, uh, any of these people. Um, yeah it's like it's, it's just filling a role um just not just out of necessity but out of the love for doing it like most of this stuff is stuff that i would be doing if i wasn't getting paid for it don't tell anybody that don't tell heist right, that right. don't tell jeremy <laughs> just kidding right right um i mean a lot of it started with me doing it for free and being like here's this do you guys want to want to use this and then paying for it so
0: well and that's a big difference too i mean a, a, again as someone who when i was in leadership with the The party in Ohio and on the Mises caucus, like we don't get that so much here with the Mises caucus. It does tend to be people who, there's a big difference between if you're trying to, if you want to work with someone or you want to sell something to somebody, there's a big difference of saying, hey, pay me some money and I'll go make something versus here's what I made. Can we work out a, can I, you know, so uh, I I think you're, you know, taking the initiative and showing that it just inspires a lot more confidence. And I, I think that's a good life lesson, whether it's politics yeah. or like whatever hustle you you want to get going. Like just especially if you're it. wanting
1: to do like art and stuff, don't go to college for art. I'm telling you kids right, right. now, don't go to college for art. I have a lot right. of friends who did. They're currently working for like John Deere and machine parts and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> like they're working in shops. Um, like just if you're passionate about art, go make the art and then, Like I got involved in doing art for the Liberty movement because I was listening to the Lions Liberty Liberty podcast in the early days. And I just started making like memes and shirt designs and just posting it in their Facebook feed or whatever in their group. And then, uh, you know, I I had no like real goal or intention with it at the time. I didn't think anything would come of it. I assumed they had a graphic design guy. Turns out they didn't. And so Mark hit me up later and he's like, I like the work that you're doing. Um, do you want to do this? And then they ended up bringing me out to pork fest, which got me more involved with those guys, um, and networking and everything, um, shot them there one year. And then free state has brought me back out several times since then to shoot for them. So, uh, yeah, you never know, like do the thing that you're passionate about, whether it pays or not. Um, and it's probably gonna, if it's good, it'll end up paying off eventually. So,
0: yeah. Um, uh, before I get into, I want to, you know, talk about what you're doing now and give you a chance to plug, uh. Uh, system is down and uh, other stuff you're doing. But uh, it, out in Reno, uh, at the Take Human Action Bash, uh, I was kind of sitting at the table uh, uh, on the other side of this big round table uh, with Dr. Paul. And uh, we we showed your, your video. What was the title of the video? I can remember everything about it, but the title.
1: That one was called, well, I would have known easily if you well, asked me normally, but I don't remember. Yeah, off. we'll date.
0: have the we'll have the show notes pay, have it on the show notes page at decentralizedrevolution.com dot um, slash eighty five. But anyway, I think it was uh, uh, just, uh, oh, it was just called the takeover, right? I think.
1: No, that was the the early one that I did for you guys. The, the Reno okay. one was uh, the revolution continues.
0: Yeah, that's it. So I was sitting where I could see Dr. Paul, and he was with uh, Daniel McAdams. And I think the other gentleman with him was, um, well, I, I think I know who it was, but I'm not going to, I don't want to put his business out there. So uh, okay. he was sitting with those two guys and the other guy was about Dr. Paul's age. And the, and this video comes on and it's just, uh, and if, so if you haven't seen the video, go to decentralizedrevolution.com 85 and watch it. Uh, and during this video, you know, he's really watching this thing, and I'm, you know, you always wonder what he's gonna, you know, it's a very modern sort of loud, cool video. Right. And at the end of it, uh, it kind of ends, and he looks over to his friend, and I couldn't hear what he said, but you could kind of read his lips and his facial expression. He's like, "That was really good," you know, <laughs> and my, and yeah. it was just this great moment, and to yeah. see something that you know pays homage to what he's meant to all of us and to see him in that moment like really truly impressed um yeah. in a sort of a private way, I, I was just really great to to see that. So I wanted to tell you that and just how
1: Yeah uh, I, I will say um I wasn't paying attention to him unfortunately because I'm always like, hey, let's capture the crowd, capture the thing yeah. that's happening. You know, I wasn't even thinking, hey, get Ron Paul's like reaction to your, yeah. the video you made for him, dummy. But uh Chris velarath who's from uh, Delaware he does great work as well and um he was actually right next to ron paul at the time and uh caught captured uh ron's reaction to the whole thing and he said oh that nice basically. yeah i'm gonna have so to ask
0: i, I want to him. Dance, but, because i want to i want to see that again just to, i want to have that in my hard drive as well as my uh, right. my, mem- my memory banks
1: i, I mean um, he's old and he seems like uh he like he's kind of zoning in and out just a little bit like but he's still there and um like he seems tired but then like there's like the point where they both say the same thing at the same time you can kind of see his eyes light up and then he gets yep. a little bit more excited and i'm like oh that uh like that that really that really touches a nerve because again this all started with me not having any idea what libertarianism was and being spoken to by ron paul enough for me to put a, a sticker on my computer and completely forget about it for eight years and uh to uh have it come this full circle is pretty amazing
0: yeah, it it was funny that night. Um, you know, as uh, I'm sitting there listening to him talk, and I think he went for like 45 minutes. He talked, and he's yeah. talking, and every once in a while, you know, for like half a sentence, you would think that he's like drifting off, into not really, you know, away from the point. And some, mm-hmm. but he would always either bring it back to the point, or just like start on another like equally relevant point. Like right. he kept coming right back to it, and it was it was just like. It, it, it was really tremendous. And so I was yeah, like, a, it was great. almost like watching a tightrope act because you're like, can, <laughs> is he still doing this? And yeah, he right. was. So.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's it's not so much wa- watching a tightrope act as it is watching Joe Biden, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> because he kept it together for 45 minutes and Joe Biden, they can't put out a 22nd video of him in his household without cutting it at least three times. So, um, certainly props to, uh, to Dr. Paul, he's still got it. And, um, yeah, I mean, once you get to that point, it's like you've said the same things so many times. If you start to drift, you which you would think Joe Biden would have the same thing. He's had said right. the same things so many times, but he's gone back and forth between pro-war, anti-war, pro-cop, anti-cop, and uh, back to pro-cop. Like uh, that's the difference between the two. Is yeah. one is old and has been honest the entire fucking time so yeah. it's easy for him to go hey i can just say a thing i normally say and it'll still be true because i didn't change my opinion 25 times for political expedience so yeah. yeah
0: if you're a liar you have to have a great memory and once the right? memory starts to go, that's, you start really having...
1: showing these days <laughs> yes. so
0: i want your professional opinion on something I, I i forget exactly which video it was but it was about two weeks ago they put out the video of of biden um and he's talking about something and like he doesn't blink for like three, you know, two or three <laughs> minutes. Like, was that a deep fake? That I that looked like a deep fake to me.
1: Like, I mean Am I right I, or uh, like I, like I covered this on my show quite extensively, um with I think it was the one with Reed Coverdale two weeks ago, but um it's like if you told me, if somebody said I had the evidence and I can prove that this is deep fake, I'd be like, I don't need the evidence. I believe you already. Right. Like, if somebody told me it was true, I'd believe it's true. I don't necessarily think it's true, but there's definitely something going on. Like, uh, the, uh, I, I was joking about it being a deep fake mostly on Twitter, but I'm like, this could be. And uh, like, it, if it's not a deep fake, it is the like the most horrifying like <laughs> not deep fake I've ever seen because it's like this is a different person in his house than we've normally seen whether that's you know i i don't even like as a conspiracy guy i don't even think it was like a body double or a deep fake or something like that i think he was doped out of his mind and they like they still that's the video i'm talking about specifically like it's like 30 seconds long they cut it three times there and he didn't blink once and they're like as a video guy i know that you get like probably a bunch of takes, even for like Jeremy Kaufman, I'll get two to three takes of every single line with Spike Cohen, same thing. um, Because it's, you can, you know, craft these things together to make them sound the best that they possibly can. Those were the best three takes that they came up with in his home with like endless amounts of time. that They could shoot it. Like you didn't have to worry about sunlight or anything like that Um, in his home, 30 seconds, three cuts. And they like, if I could give like some advice to, uh, the the president's video guy uh, maybe find some b-roll or something to cut away to to make those yeah, transitions yeah. like it, it's baffling to me it's almost like like the thing i'm saying about like the libertarian party it's like somebody in the democrat party like i, I don't give them any ideas but somebody in the democrat party should be like there, there's a need there <laughs> that is not being right. fulfilled because it would not be hard for me to make uh joe biden not look like a fucking I don't know, psychopathic murderer in the, right. this video who's, like, propped up by strings, corpse. Um, But that's the best that they came up with. And then they're like, I guess it's good enough. Let's tweet it out. Like, you yeah. didn't have to put it out at all. Nobody was asking for it. Nobody was expecting right. it. And it's it's haunting.
0: Yeah. It, it, yeah, like you said, just ev- uh, either B-roll or just have, like, camera two where you could, like, just – you know right. get a shot of him off to the side where he's not like
1: how know, do they not man, know how are they not doing like five cameras at at once so you can right. always cut away to something else with this guy yeah. like that would so go he, that would work wonders but he, he's not blinking and that's concerning
0: yeah tony soprano uh described uh, richie april in a sopranos episode he's like manson lamps like charles manson like you know that, yeah uh, that's that's what came to mind he just looked like i, I don't know like just do they like shoot him like a mega dose of amphetamine or something? I don't know. But anyway.
1: Yes. Um, and that video is why I am calling for <laughs> not necessarily jokingly, somewhat jokingly, but not necessarily uh, Biden for president 2024. I just want to see them own it. I want to see oh, them yeah. keep saying he, he's going to do it. And I'm like, yeah, Trump could be better on policy and we might not be in quite as much of a shit show, but I kind of am here for the shit show and want yeah. to see them have to justify this for another four years because it's laughably bad at this point like he'll be dead like i can't believe he's alive at this point but yeah uh i want to see them prop up his corpse so hard just to keep kamala harris from becoming president um and i feel well, like that's what they're doing now
0: here, here's my theory of what's going to happen and we can you know time stamp this or whatever but i think they're going to run him they're going to get to the got to have him get the nomination at the convention and they might swap I'm gonna pull Kamala the plug. <laughs> out or whatever and, and and then he'll get sick like he'll get COVID again or he'll right. have a cancer diagnosis and they'll I swap think you
1: mean not drugged out of his mind
0: <laughs> yeah 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 so I think he'll get the nomination and then they'll have some way where they'll swap in like Gavin Newsom at the head of the ticket and cool. Kamala will still be like number two or something they're going to do something like that so that they don't be have a hell of like, a
1: juggling act but, uh, well, they they've got anybody, to work out for them
0: <laughs> well but they know how to do it I mean it's the, it's the DNC they they did the thing with Hillary and I think and I think there's a legal way that um it would probably be the easiest way for them to do that that yeah I think normally the party if a candidate um uh, for the election like dies before the election I think that person's party can just like name a, re- a replacement and I don't think it's got uh, there's any law that says it would have to be whoever's what got nominated for vice president. So really? that that's my, that's my opinion. I'll look, I'll research that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Um, so I like it. tell me, yeah, yeah. So tell me about um, your podcast, the other stuff you're doing. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah. So how can people engage with uh, what you're doing these days?
1: Yeah. I've got a podcast called the system is down, which started out like, talking about conspiracies, politics, religion, still kind of is that, just all the taboo topics, uh, because taboo wasn't terrorism back in the day. Uh, it is now, so it's a little bit trickier. But um, just digging into like things that uh, when I have a drink and sit around chatting with friends, we would dig into these things that normal folks seem to find taboo, and I'm just like, I don't understand why. This is just like a search for truth. It's just like trying to figure out what is and um that is uh you know it's taken many shapes over the years um it turned into it started out as like a group effort and that lasted for like one episode and then uh became (laughs) like for scheduling reasons it was like me doing uh interviews most of the time for several years and I had on like David Thibodeau from Waco I had on Juanita Broderick was raped by Bill Clinton um I had on um fed on Tom McDonald uh lots of lots of great people um, that I enjoy very much, but that takes a lot more time than what I've kind of, I've kind of transitioned it a little bit into a little bit more like news coverage and I'll bring on a co-host and we'll just make jokes about the news that happens typically every Wednesday at 2 PM central or corn time, as I call it. Um, some, I still do like, um, like when LP Delaware was having their corruption issue, I had them on to talk about it. Then I had Will McVeigh on to talk about it and, um, that led to a lot of them uh, or a lot of the LP National figuring out what really was the case there. Um, so I'll dig into some of the the libertarian drama stuff and cover some of the corruption and things like that when it comes up. Um, and uh, it's kind of just whatever I feel like at the time. But uh, typically every Wednesday at two o'clock, we do a live stream where we just read the we go through the news. We make jokes about it and we, uh, you know, get a little bit, uh, I don't know, offensive, just having fun because um, I like people don't know what they don't know and like most people don't have any idea what is happening like most people aren't on twitter most people aren't like dice like dissecting cnn to find out what their latest lie is and stuff like that most people have no idea what you know even the culture war is or what goes on around that and i think these things are important to bring to people and i don't think that we necessarily need another podcast that's coming on and ranting and raving about how stupid the left is or whatever i do a lot of that sure but Um, it's, uh, it's more just like, here's the news. And as like, we're kind of just dissecting it in real, real time and, uh, making jokes about it because as the world burns, why not, why not have a good laugh at it together? That's what it is mostly right now. And I do, uh, still do interviews on, uh, Mondays or here and there whenever I can. But, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of different stuff like that, but, uh, primarily the goal of it is, has always been just to. Basically, change the world uh, one uncomfortable conversation at a time and just like speak civilly, have fun, and yeah. um, like dig into things, say the things that we're not allowed to say. Um, and yeah, that, that's yeah. that. And you can find it at systemsdown.tv.
0: <laughs> How did you uh, get into the conspiracy stuff? Like for me, it was like X Files and Art Bell and, and things like that back in the 90s.
1: I don't know. Um, I got into like, I don't know. Uh, Eventually, not, I think 9-11 was some of the earlier stuff. It, like, there wasn't a defining moment that I said, hey. Like, I was always kind of skeptical of authority and skeptical of some of the stuff I was taught as a child and things like that. Um, I just kind of had a, a little bit of a, I don't know, emo, rebellious, nerd, autistic mm-hmm. nature or something yeah. about me. And, um, would you, like, if you're not allowed to talk about something, if you're not allowed to ask questions about something, then, um, you know, it's probably worth a look. Cause, uh like, why is it dangerous? I should at least know why it's dangerous. If guns are evil, I should be doing all my research on guns and finding out why they're evil. And then exactly. you obviously find out that that's a lie. Um, so, th- I don't know. Just 9-11 fascinated me. And uh, I've dug in. i dug into and still dig into whenever I can, whenever YouTube allows it or whoever, um, things like um, I, I love the flat earth conspiracy theory. Uh, I think it's fascinating. Like, I go all the way. I don't care. Um I don't necessarily believe any of these things 100%, but what I do believe is that we are being lied to about something. Like, I don't know what happened on 9-11. I don't don't even know what the shape of the earth is. I don't know what happened at Sandy Hook exactly. What I know is that there are things that do do not add up with any of these cases, and the people that are digging into it aren't just, like, stupid people on the internet, uh, like, in their parents' basement or something. Most of these people are, like, far more educated than I am, far more educated than most people uh, are who are criticizing these things like you don't enter a debate about flat earth like as a flat earther you don't get into a debate without having done a shit ton of research right like these these people threw their lives away because they believe that something is true i want to know why they think that and i i think it's fascinating and um like i i love digging into these things with an open mind but discernment and uh just figuring out why people believe what they believe and um Turns out they're not all stupid.
0: Some so uh, of are, but... I, I was getting ready to say goodbye, but since I have somebody who seems to know something about it, I have to ask. I'm so, I'm good. If, okay, you you got a couple minutes. Okay, so as long so as you so want the, to go, man. The, so the the flat Earth thing. So I, every once in a while, like on Facebook or something, I see people like saying, "If you're a flat Earther, don't message me and just unfriend me and all this stuff." And uh-huh. I, I've never been accosted by a flat Earther. I've never. <laughs> I've never looked into this like is it like yeah. what's is it like an actual thing or is it like my theory on some of these things is that like the CIA just started these things as like a massive troll to uh, uh discredit um uh conspiracy you're theorists opening and a, stuff you're like, opening a like
1: big can of worms my friend um, Well
0: <laughs> uh, just like is it like is it's really a thing people actually believe that there yes. flat okay
1: There are people who have who do the research who have done uh mathematical tests and equations and things that are beyond my own understanding um that doesn't make them right or wrong but it makes them smarter than me and they they believe this 100 percent um uh and like people that i'm really close friends with uh believe it more strongly than i do i've gone on other podcasts like debating people who are against the theory and stuff and it, Mm. it turns out that um you know no, nobody has a clue what these people believe, uh, except for them. Like the people who are chastising them, they have no idea, uh, like why they believe this way. And I'm, I'm even more hardcore on like the moon landing and stuff like that. Like, I don't believe that happened. And, mm-hmm. uh, if you ask somebody in real life, like, like I, uh, I've had a thing where like, I'll ask people, um, do you believe that man has walked on the moon? They say, Yes. And I ask them, how many people have walked on the moon? They can't answer. How many countries have walked on the moon? They can't answer. How many, like, uh, you know, rockets have gone up? How many rockets failed? Like, they they have no idea about exactly any of the history, but they're very, very sure that you're very stupid for even questioning that this is a possibility. It's like, right. so, so you're just writing it off just because the government told you that that's what happened. All right, well, that's very libertarian of you. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: so what's the purported reason that the people who want us to think the earth is, is round, <laughs> what would a, what would a flat earther say no. is the, is the point of, of having this, uh, uh, having the human race, uh, hoodwinked over this? What's the motive of the people pushing the
1: round earth? false? How long of an answer do you want? Cause that's like a whole episode in and of itself.
0: <laughs> well, I, I guess I just want to know where, like I, because I have zero idea, maybe we could, sure. we could, talk about this another time or something but like um i just kind of want to know the, like the elevator pitch like uh sure if if you're trying to convince me you know i'm a libertarian and i'm willing to believe the the government sure. does horrible things uh so your elevator speech on on why i should look further into this uh knowing uh, that i distrust uh powerful people with agendas
1: so the short answer like there's a lot of different versions of the theory there's like uh, there's ver- most versions seem to involve like believing in a creator of some sort or God, um, and there are some others that are like oh aliens did this or oh we're in a terrarium or something like that. But um, I, I think the the very 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 abridged version of it is um, that why would they want to keep that from you? It, I think it's more for your uh, for your lack of self worth. It's to keep you feeling like you're a a speck on a speck in the middle of a vast Mm -hmm. speck that's in the middle, like swirling around in the middle of nothingness and, uh, came from nothing is going nowhere. And, uh, you have zero value at all. Um, I I think a lot of the flat earthers, uh, and the thing that, um, again, not, I'm not completely sold on the theory, but, uh, it's my favorite version of (laughs) of reality. Like, I, I hope it's true. Um, like if you are the, the, the focus, if you are the thing that was created, on this like this plane of existence and you are there um within this creation uh you have more value you are kind of the center of the universe which you know libertarians we already know that we're the center of the universe anyway so it's not that far of a stretch but um basically the, the 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 i guess the idea is the powers that be keep it a want to keep it a secret because of um Keeping you down, like the same right. reason they do all these other things, keeping you uh, docile because you you're not going to get anywhere. You're on a ball in the middle of nothing and uh, y- your life doesn't matter. You don't matter. You're just right. carbon to be to be uh to be snuffed out, if at all possible. Right. So, yeah, uh, I think it's fascinating. And uh, again, that's the extremely abridged version yeah. that I'm not doing complete justice to. And um, I can point you in a lot of good directions for people who can do it better
0: yeah it, may, it it does kind of make sense i mean like as a christian like i can believe that you know man has a special place in the universe and that god created us and there's this you know there is a point and i could also believe that he created a limitless you know expanse beyond oh. beyond this sure. terrarium and and all that but uh i think you're right that the kind of the uh, the education establishment and just everything of wanting to you know, especially of the last hundred years or since World War II is like, yeah, it's the Big Bang and it's all random. So it doesn't really matter anyway. So you right. might as well just obey us and eat bugs. and uh, yeah, absolutely. It,
1: it, that, it, It's, it's becoming more real every day. Yeah. yeah so, and, and for okay. me, it, it's mostly about like, I, I don't know, just not writing people off. Like any to me, anything that is equated with stupid, like, oh, you think that? Well, you must think the Earth is flat. Or, oh, you think that? I bet you think a man hasn't walked on the moon. Like these these things that are just equated with idiocy. Mm -hmm. I think that there's probably something to them more than, uh, than we give them credit for. And there's, there might even be a reason why they're equated to idiocy because they might, I don't know, have a lot of important value in our lives.
0: Well, and uh, you know, I think it is pretty well documented that the whole term conspiracy theory was Invented by the CIA to discredit people who find found out about certain things like MKUltra and all that stuff like so that's the thing is that it's unfortunate and and that's again circling back to what's uh, precious about libertarians even the ones that I don't personally like is like that we're willing to a we want to get at the truth so b we're willing to question things and be thought of as crazy by other people. Um, who, you know, I, I, think you were actually on this tweet or, or maybe not, uh, I saw something you tweeted today or something, but I, I, uh, um, engaged with something, some teachers union, teachers union thug, uh, was talking about. And basically I was like, yeah, I mean, teachers unions exist to restrict the supply and, it, and it would be better if people just got their tax money back to do homeschooling and private schooling right. and, yeah, but to be to for us to be able to say things like that, it takes. And, and again, we do have uh, not all desirable qualities, but it takes. I mean, that's what being red pilled is about, right? To be willing to say something right. that seems so outrageous to somebody else in an yeah, effort it's to try, been, try to wake them up.
1: Right. It's been crazy to me um, getting into the libertarianism stuff. Like I straight straight away from the conspiracy stuff for a while. Like. While some of the woke stuff was going on, I was just like, "Oh, maybe I'm wrong about this stuff. Maybe I'm crazy, whatever." And then I was like, "Oh, actually, no. These people just have no idea about any of this stuff that I've been digging into for years." Uh, like right. that was uh, that was crazy to me. Um, but it's been uh, it's been crazy, like going to like libertarian events and stuff like that, um, and or like having people on my show and things, and realizing that uh, these people that are scared of being like. I don't know. Like as a libertarian, especially as like an anarcho-capitalist or a small government in any way, it's like you you're afraid to be called a conspiracy theorist because you think that equates to like that'll make you lose your reputation or that'll make you like uncredible to like mainstream. It's like we're we believe in small government, that's enough. We're already yeah. there. We're already on the list. We're already Alex Jones's um we're we're going to suffer the same fate if we continue down this path. Like do you want to continue down that path while kind of po- like calling people that could be in your like involved in your movement calling them stupid for thinking that man hasn't walked on the moon or would you rather like be like i don't care if man's walked on the moon you're for liberty stuff like you we're both in this together we're both like the outcasts of society and if we mm-hmm. can agree on anything like it should be that uh, the government is hiding shit uh and for like i'm not asking all libertarians to like embrace conspiracy theories or whatever i'm just at like do you if you don't trust the government i'm just asking you to trust them a little bit less like if you think that they're lying to you now about like very mundane things in everyday life why do you think that they haven't lied to you about all the rest of this shit so at least figure out why like listen to people and figure out why they believe what they believe because they might be right no matter how crazy it sounds to you right now they've done their research if they're willing to stake their claim on that craziness yeah. so listen to them
0: is jeffrey epstein still alive
1: I don't know. I don't know if he has any value to them alive, but I have no reason to think that he's dead either. All I know is that he's out of the picture. And again, this isn't like in all the conspiracy stuff I always come back to. I have no idea. Uh, I'm not going to say anything definitively because I don't know. Um, But what I do know is that the mainstream narrative is complete and utter bullshit. And all you have to do is accept that very clear fact that's driven home day in and day out that they are complete and utter bullshit that they're feeding you. Um, and as long as you understand that it's a lie, you know, we can debate what it may or may not be from there, but all that matters is that you're being lied to and you're being manipulated in a bad way.
0: And that's that's such a hard pill for people to swallow, right? To, to, I mean, again, that goes back to the red pill, blue pill thing is like people, it's very hard to get people to, um, question uh much less you know totally abandon uh, a viewpoint of reality that gives them an identity and th- which they've tried to fit into their whole lives and then right to to disabuse them of that notion it's like it, you know that's why it's so difficult and again to go back to like the matrix is you know at one point i think morpheus is telling neo neo it's like well You have to remember that all these people who you're trying to liberate, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to be woken up and they will probably try to kill you if you uh, try too hard. So um, that's that's what we're up against, I think, is to have compassion on people want to wake them up. Uh, even though... And some people are it, ciphers.
1: They, they'll they want to go back in after they come out. Even if they see the truth and know the truth, they're like, I don't yeah. want to know the truth anymore. I have a lot of friends yeah. who I was digging into conspiracy stuff with early on and they're just yeah. like, do not talk about this stuff. Do not talk about politics. Like COVID broke a lot of people for that. It woke a lot of people mm-hmm. up to... like The silver lining for me for COVID and Trump and even Biden is that it woke a lot of people up to realizing that a lot of this stuff is bullshit and it's becoming more and more clear every day. But uh, there's a lot of people that would, that they just want to live their life and die. Like that's literally all they want. They want to, and that's fine, I I guess, if you want to be happy just living your life and not, I, my brain does not work that way. And I cannot fathom not wanting to understand these things, not wanting to dig deeper. So,
0: yeah. And some, at some, sometimes, and, and not just with politics, but, you know, with faith or other things, like sometimes you're just like, yeah, I, I, the temptation to be cypher. And like, I just want the steak. And I, yeah. I just want to pretend that that's all not a struggle, uh, uh, an actual life and death, good and evil struggle. I just want to watch baseball and, right. and play with my dog.
1: There's there's <laughs> but, a part of me that, that wishes that I could want that. Like there's a part of me that wants that simplicity again, but I don't right. think that's even remotely an option at this point.
0: Yeah. There's something about, you know, once you do, uh, eat that pill and some of it i think like i've always kind of been that way like i remember just things with that my kindergarten teacher did that like red pilled me i was like oh yeah I, this isn't about this isn't about learning you know I, like i can't right. so i think it's with some of us it's genetic um and we're blessed slash cursed with that that skeptical
1: yeah.
0: gene um so and once and you see I, some
1: things like you just can't go back like yeah. Like I don't know with the flat Earth stuff. Look around in your room. If you have a globe, pick it up. Look at what the sticker on the bottom of it says. It probably okay, says. I, do you have one?
0: I do actually have a globe uh, about fifteen feet away. I'll check it out okay. after we say goodbye.
1: All right. What is? We'll post what it says.
0: Okay, I'll I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> so, um, I'll I'll so. tell
1: you. I think all of them. I'm pretty sure all of them say. Uh, for, um, what is it? it's like for decorative purposes only not to be used in teaching or something like that on every single globe they're for decorative purposes only. It's like, right. That's, that's just odd. It doesn't prove anything, but why?
0: And and like with any globe, like it's, they have to make certain choices, like every globe they say, or, or indeed any map, like it's, they have to compensate for one thing. And so they, I think all cartographers are you know whatever would say yeah this is not an accurate representation of reality just because we can't do that so built in there is a little bit of well there is a difference between the map and the territory so uh, uh, there's a lot of room for manipulation there so absolutely
1: um, and uh, again i'm open to be being like proven wrong on all this stuff there it's just like throwing out ideas and things like i'm not afraid to question the stuff and actually try and figure out what is and if i find out that i'm wrong great fine i don't like it i don't hold these things aren't precious to me even libertarianism if somebody could actually convince me that this is incorrect and this is not the way to go like um i know Pendulette's not the best example anymore as far as (laughs) libertarianism but early on uh i was listening to his show before i got into libertarianism and he was talking about it a little bit i knew a little bit about it and um he said like He said something about like, you know, if we tried libertarianism, if we actually tried this and there are people dying in the streets, then I have an open mind enough to say, okay, let's try something else. Like, I just want to know what the truth is. It doesn't have to be this label or this precious thing or whatever. The earth doesn't have to be flat or anything. I don't care. I just want to know what the truth is. And if that's the case, then I want to know what it is. And so far, I'm convinced that libertarianism is the way and we'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing and, and doing your part to uh, help wake people up and, and motivate them. And again, it doesn't it doesn't have to be the Mises Caucus. I think what we're doing is important and uh, there's a reason why we're flourishing because of the culture and because of the idea. Uh, so I'm glad that you're uh, uh, part of the movement and um, look forward to keep working with you. So thanks for coming Absolutely.
1: on. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: And there you have it. I'd like to thank Dan Smots for his time and wisdom and all his great work. And just the you know, what he exemplifies is what we're encouraging everybody to do is, you know, bring your talents uh, to the table and uh, uh, just just pick up, uh, pick up your pen, pick up your guitar, uh, pick up your camera and uh, your keyboard and do something. Uh, for the movement and uh, uh, we'll find a way to make it work as long as we have the right attitude and Uh, the right principles. So uh, follow Dan's example. Do that. Um, Go over to the show notes page at DecentralizedRevolution.com slash 85 for links to Dan's uh, podcast. The system is down as well as some of the videos we talked about. Uh, Thanks to Dave versus Goliath for all the music you hear on Decentralized Revolution. And uh, thanks to Simon Kalpin who has been helping me the last couple episodes as a co-producer doing some Uh, uh, editing and arranging and uh, taking some uh, uh, work off of my hands. And so we appreciate Simon for that. And thanks to everyone who subscribes to our email list and gives to Mises Pack over at TakeHumanAction.com. And of course, everyone who shares, rates, reviews, and subscribes to Decentralized Revolution. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.